1: And good evening to you, wherever you may be around the world. Welcome to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Pastor Mike Douglas with you, along with Elaine Harlan, our producer and co-host, and our prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl. Al Ramsey with us as well. And How did it get to be... The 23rd day of January 2012. Scary, this is, huh? this is just absolutely, I'm, I'm still stuck in August of 2010. I don't know how we got, to I'm still stuck in January. the 60s, but. <laughs> yeah, well,
2: yeah, we've been
1: meaning to <laughs> talk to you know, about know, that. And, well, tonight, uh, real, really, uh, fun broadcast and, and we're going to introduce, uh, to you, uh, to some people who are new to the Lighthouse Live family and we met them doing graffiti. No, no, let me rephrase that. We met yeah. them doesn't uh, eating out uh, graffiti <laughs> not not putting the graffiti on 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 the walls but uh, and uh, a couple has just uh, answered God's calling in incredible ways uh, to serve and we'll be exploring that in just a couple of minutes right now though let's check with our friends from voice of the martyrs
2: when Hey, what's up? This is Toby Mack with a story of real-life Jesus freaks from The Voice of the Martyrs.
3: Since opening in 1999, the Mission Training School in Jongol, West Java, has been a good neighbor. Hundreds of evangelists have been equipped and inspired at the school without a major incident until this summer. According to the Voice of the Martyr contacts, a mob of some 85 Muslims swarmed the school, raiding each dorm and classroom, removing pictures of Jesus, and demanding the school be closed. Fortunately, classes were not in session at the time, and no one was seriously injured. Mission leaders are urging Indonesian Christians not to retaliate, but to remain calm and pray. For the latest, go online to persecution.com.
1: You know, friends... uh as we think about that, this is one of the, um, the great dilemmas, uh, in, in ministry today, and that is how do you respond to opposition? You know, Elaine and, Um, just thinking of of this type of an act where uh, the the Muslims come in and and they're ransacking the place. And, you know, how do you respond? In so many parts of the world, oftentimes there's a a, a violent response, you know, even from the Christian community, which which just feeds the, the enemy's designs. And it really does take a movement of the Holy Spirit and, and, and the sensitivity to that to be able to back off and say, okay, God, how do you want us to handle this? You know, not, not an easy thing. And so we encourage you to keep our friends uh who are part of the persecuted church around the world in prayer uh that they may respond that they may respond the way that God would have them to do and and you know it's very easy when you're not the one under attack to say well turn the other cheek right. you know but when you're in the line of fire it's a whole different a uh, whole different ball game so again we encourage you to keep our uh, friends around the world in prayer uh, for the persecuted church
0: Let's take a quick look at the Volunteer Center Of the United Way, the Stanislaus Liter- Literacy Center That's easy for you to say Spotlight What is this, Monday? I don't know Oh, Help me here Spotlights on Reading Fundraising Event to Support Literacy Efforts is going to be held on February 17th and 18th At the Peterson Event Center Great place right mm. here in Modesto And it's following in the footsteps of last year's successful Children of the Dust Bowl Readers Theater Production. And this year's event will be featuring All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten, and that's where I'm going back to, is Kindergarten by Robert Fulgum. And it's adapted by Ernest Zulia and produced by Kimberly Ogden. Now, the sub- February 17th, you know what? I I don't know. I think maybe we'll just start this show over. It's uh, looking for volunteers ages 14 years and older and uh, needed at each event. To help out with setup at 1 p.m. on Friday and 2 p.m. on Saturday, volunteers also needed to serve and replenish refreshments and help out with the silent auction. This is going to be a fun event. Encourage you to get involved. Activities during the events for cleanup uh, after each production, the Stanislaus Literacy Center is a nonprofit Corporation, which teaches adults and their families basic education skills, helping parents become their child's first and best teachers, and preparing a more productive workforce. You know what I learned in kindergarten? What
1: you life lesson? Ask? The work ethic. Uh, okay. The work ethic. All right. Yeah. Now you gotta understand, my mom was a teacher. Yes. Right. So I so I show up at at a kindergarten, and I and I remember Mrs. Reynolds. Mrs. Re- and I informed Mrs. Reynolds that I didn't have to do any work. Oh, really? That I I was there to play. Uh huh.
0: And that went over really well. And
1: that didn't go over well at home. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I won't say how I learned it, but I learned the work ethic really quick and uh, and <laughs> changed did. my ways. So. You
0: did. I knew yeah, you that was my out. kindergarten
1: yeah, uh, and experience. You,
0: and that that uh, lesson was stayed with you, didn't yeah, it? Yeah.
1: Didn't sit down for a week <laughs> after, after that. <laughs> (laughs) Not that I was a problem child. I just want to clarify this. You still are. I won't go there. The
0: first tee of Central Valley, tee it up with time and be a positive influence in the lives of youth with the learning life skills through golf program. The program offers life skills instruction, clinics, rounds of golf and outings to benefit over 3,000 Central Valley area youth ages five to 17 each year. This 10 week one Our clinics will be held between March and October, weekday afternoons and Saturday mornings, primarily at the Modesto Municipal Golf Course. Volunteer coaches and mentors interact with kids during icebreaker skill games. They accompany youth playing the nine holes of golf, teach specific golf skill focus for the day, assisting with skill testing, and participate in wrap-up games. No special skills are needed. Hmm. and it is not necessary to know how to play golf. Volunteers are asked to attend the trainings, and all trainings will be held in the Modesto area. Volunteers must be at least 18 years of age, complete a background check, and participate in at least three clinic sessions uh, each year. The first team mission uh, is to impact the lives of young people by providing educational programs that build character, Uh, also instill life-enhancing values, and promote healthy choices through the game of golf. And uh, I know you're not a golfer, and I'm not a golfer, but this is a, a great well, it, thing to
1: do. It, it's a great thing. And I was just going to say, Elaine, th- this is very much in line with the emphasis that we have here in Stanislaus County and in the greater Modesto area amongst pastors this year as we look at mentoring and fathering and, and, uh, um, you know, this, this fits right. Now, now they don't let me near balls clubs, you know, that's <laughs> kind of a dangerous com- combination for me, but many of you are skilled at that, and what, what a great opportunity. Yeah. We encourage you to uh, take a look at that.
0: And you don't even have to be skilled, I say, in the game of golf to, to take
1: part. Well, now, now of I would fit that profile. Yes, they yes. still won't let you in, no. but we won't no. go there anyway. No.
0: Now, the Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, where friendly pets and their humans are needed, and this is something that you could probably do, to visit seniors in convalescent hospitals and care facilities, volunteers Accompany their pets as they socialize with residents and facilities throughout the community. This is a very cool thing to do. During these vital uh during during these visits, I should say, animals, I don't know what's with me today, uh they're often successful in increasing communication, decreasing anxiety, and in cutting through the barriers that isolate people. Pets need to be friendly and like to be handled. My Kiko would really fit in the, with this very well. He's very social; Uh just you know, keeping him under control might be a problem. I don't know. Visits are made the first and second Saturday mornings and the third Wednesday mornings of each month. The SPCA provides education and information to the community and helps find homes for animals in need. You know, I've got so, two pastors.
1: I want to talk about that because yeah. up up the prayer summit. Yes. You, you, I mean, amazing things you find out at the prayer summit, and our commitment is what set up their stays up there to, you know, preserve the the safety of pastors, right. just being able to lift each other up and out. But I will tell you, and, and not naming any names, two of the pastors up there have pet pythons. What? And can you imagine them walking into a senior facility with their pet pythons to bless the elderly? It might be
0: pretty. I cute.
1: think that would be. Probably not. not probably weird. wouldn't go I don't over.
0: know. You might scare someone to death, literally. And they have to know.
1: feed it. Well, we won't go into what they feed yeah, them. Right. That, that's no, a whole other. No, that might other, get kind of gross. I just now. can't get into keeping a pet snake. But you know, my bro- my brothers. I mean, they they, they love these things. And, and
0: my brother-in-law has a pet tarantula. Really? He calls them legs.
1: Legs. Legs. Yes. Legs. Legs
0: big hairy legs, but we won't go there either. I can but if see you the any... cards and letters already coming.
1: <laughs> send them to Elaine. <laughs> <absurd>. Not to <laughs> Pastor Mike. Send Elaine. To... <laughs> yeah. okay.
0: Anyway, if you have any questions about these opportunities or anything else that we've covered so far. Don't bring us... your Python. No. Send, send your letters to Barbara Borba. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> She'll love them. She can be reached at 209-524-1307 extension 113. She loves us. 209-524-1307 extension 113 one one three or email her she likes that too. Vborba at uastand.org and uh you know closer to home here we have a praise you know just last week we met a family who seriously was living in a tent Mm. in the backyard, Mm. and um, they were homeless. And um, all they needed in the world was a refrigerator to move into their place. Um, Government program, and I'm sure our our guests tonight are are well aware of this, um, needed an appliance, a refrigerator, to move into their home. And um, so over the weekend, we posted the need on the website. Today, we have a refrigerator Amen. for them. and awesome. We're just so pleased that we have a refrigerator. It Amen. works. And this is, yes, a working refrigerator, Mr. Al. And so now they can move into their place. And so we just wanted to pass along that praise to you. And a thank you for your donations here, because that's what we need. That's what makes it work here. So once again, we want to emphasize that if you have working appliances, refrigerators, washers, dryers, beds, are our number one need. You know, we get asked a lot, Mike, mm. what do you guys need the yes. most? Beds. Yes. First of all, twin beds for children. We have a lot of children, uh, disabled people on the floor, sleeping on the cold floors right now. We're in the winter months. Finally, our winter arrived. But we do have a lot of people sleeping on the uh, floor right now. Beds are our number one need. And we, we really need uh, the entire bed. A lot of people call in and say, well, I've got a bed frame. Yeah. We really can't ask people to sleep on bed frames. We, it's we it's kind of rough on the back. Yeah, it is. So we need to, uh, you know, box springs, the mattress, and uh, you know the whole thing if we can. And and we will, again we want clean, uh, working appliances. Uh, you know, Jesus would give things in good condition to people. We just we just want these things to be in the same condition that you would be willing to receive them in. So give us a call if you have those donations. Uh, we can be reached at two zero nine. Again, that number is 209-544-9571. Or you can email us at info at vibrantcommunities.org. That's vibrantcommunities.org. Did you get the
2: website earlier?
1: No, I didn't, and thank you for doing that. And and again, folks, the, the praise here is literally these people, because of the requirements of the federal program, they have a place to move into. But they're not allowed to move into it until they get a refrigerator. Can't afford a refrigerator. Here in the Central Valley, we have probably one of the coldest winters we ever have right now. It's just, I mean, its it was down below 32. Now, I know those of you back east are going, well, what a bunch (laughs) of wimps. You know, (laughs) 32 degrees, that's a heat spell for, well, okay, we're wimpy Californians, right? But, you know, it gets down to 28, we're thinking it's cold. And so these people are actually living in a tent in the cold, freezing cold, in somebody's backyard because they can't afford a refrigerator. So just a a tremendous blessing. And before we move on, uh, every week we just want to revisit this very briefly. Again, the pastoral covenant coming out of the prayer summit uh, this year was a statement that all of us, including uh, Advancing Vibrant Communities and local churches, are going to be emphasizing during the year. And this is what God gave uh, to us up at the summit. A statement, a covenant saying reflecting the father heart of God, we covenant together to model and champion biblical fathering and to advocate for the fatherless within our spheres of influence. And uh, we just, folks, like you to pray over that and uh, see what opportunities God may provide you uh, to help the, the fatherless and, uh, and those who, and a lot of adults that need fathering as well. Absolutely.
0: Yes, indeed. You know, Mike, you just never know. Who you're going to meet while painting out graffiti <laughs> with a great youth group. And such was the case recently when uh, we were very blessed to be partnered with uh, our senior pastor at uh, First United Methodist Church here in Modesto, Deborah Brady. We just love her. And uh, we went out and uh, uh, great bunch of supervisors with the children and uh, as we welcome uh, to join us here at lighthouse live this week tom and deborah buckles tom uh, thank you for joining us and your lovely wife deborah this week thank
3: you very much uh, thanks for inviting us and, oh.
1: and we're hoping tom after the graffiti wipeout experience that your the whole cab of your truck is not beige <laughs> now. No. No, but, uh, <laughs> it's, just,
3: uh, it's pretty matched up with the spots on the pan that, that's as, good as, <laughs> yeah as we sat back there well it's side.
1: it's kind of like a war wound you you know, sure. you can point sure. to that as, I was there. That's right, that's right. That's right. Good. It kind of <laughs> matches
3: the other dings
1: and dents on the track, so. Right, and, and what a blessing it was to have you help
3: us out. We appreciate that I so appreciate, much. I appreciate being invited. Thank you. Amen.
0: You know, that was a great group of uh, young people from First United Methodist Church. In fact, it was their, that was their first outing with mm-hmm. us for Graffiti Wipeout. And, of course, you were there during the uh, the briefing that right. happens before, right. and uh, which is all, always uh, a very good one. And uh, this group of young people were very enthusiastic, energetic. They showed up to work. Right. And we covered a lot of territory, didn't we?
1: And, and some, normally it's, it's junior high age to high school age. We had, we had some elementary school, a fourth grader, I think. There were, there were some youngsters yeah. there and right. what, what a great way to, to get them involved in serving, inculcate that. And, and I don't
3: know if you remember, it was the last day of the winter vacation too. Yes, so, you right. know, we were doubly blessed to have them excited about going out and working their last free day. Isn't that great? The weekend, yeah. You know?
1: Amen. Amen to that.
3: Yeah.
0: Amen. We just really appreciated uh, all that, that you did that morning. And as the morning progressed, we shared a little bit about what you did because we were over near, wasn't it one of the canal banks? Around uh,
3: we California Avenue. California mm.
0: Avenue because right. you recognize that area because that's actually where your office is located, right, Tom?
3: Right. Um, I work for Stanislaus County Behavioral Health and Recovery Services, Um we provide mental health, county-based mental health, drug and alcohol services. Um, my job is I work in a uh, in a housing program, so I work in transitional housing. Right. The apartment complex right there at 901 California is one of our our sites that we have for the folks that we serve.
0: I remember asking Tom for his business card. He says, I'll be right back. and I'm going <laughs> to go into my office and get my card. And he just walked right into this apartment complex. It's kind of surprising. I
3: took some of the boys over <laughs> to wash their hands afterwards. It's like, where are you going with those children into the apartment complex there? Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. My office is right here.
0: Now, what is it exactly that you do? There,
3: well, I um, w- the folks that are receiving services from our department, if they're open to one of the, the regional teams, they're getting services from a, a treatment team, um, they are eligible to be referred for transitional housing services mm-hmm. if they're at risk uh, or, or are homeless. Um, I maintain a wait list, so I'll get calls from case managers and clinicians. They will give me someone's name, a brief description of what's going on, and as uh, vacancies come up, I will interview folks and um basically um connect them with a a, a empty apartment or a, a the apartment complex out there in California is all two bedroom apartments mm-hmm. so there are 18 two bedroom units out there so um at that facility we have you know two adult men sharing an apartment everybody okay. gets their own bedroom okay. folks get keys to their bedroom so they can lock their bedroom keep their things safe in there and then they share the other common areas of the, of the apartment um, so we also have women that are sharing apartments. We have families out there. Um, because of lead-based paint issues, uh, some of the other properties that we have, like the Garden Gate Apartments on 5th Street, have mm-hmm. lead-based paint. We also have five houses. Uh, and uh, four of the houses have lead-based paint. So because of those restrictions, children under the age of seven cannot live mm. in houses that have the lead-based paint or history of lead-based
1: paint. By the way, when we paint out graffiti, it's all water-based. Just It right. <laughs> so uh, still won't good. come off
3: of your pickup seat, though. Sorry no, about that. No, that's all right. Just
0: curious, Tom, do you work with the people, Section 8, and those kinds of programs? Um, the
3: uh, The transitional housing program, the way it's structured, folks can live in our program for up to two years. While they're in our program, they are on a waiting list for some permanent housing options. There are numerous permanent housing options available um, through our program. Um, one of them is the Section 8 certificates, but they're they're a little bit different. Um, our department has a contract with the housing authority. And from time to time, they will give us Section 8 certificates that are specifically for our clients, but they're called shelter plus care certificates. The reason for that is part of what we do when folks are in our transitional housing, we have monthly, at least monthly meetings with folks to support them, to identify any problem issues and deal with things. And, of course, when you when you put a couple of adults into an apartment and expect them to get along, they don't always get along. (laughs) So the idea behind that is to also put out little fires before they become big ones. Um, but folks are uh, later on down the line when their name comes up for permanent housing, they may get a shelter plus care certificate.
1: No, and this brings up an interesting point, especially since this really is a transitional issue. Uh, I would imagine a lot of folks need some coaching on just plain old life skills and and, and how to get along before exactly in that right. environment. What what do you do to prepare people for that transitional phase?
3: We identified that early on. One of the questions when I'm first interviewing folks, I talk to them about what their, what their household skills are. Cooking, cleaning, budgeting, things mm-hmm. of that nature. And, you know, people may be more honest at times than others. They may think that not having those skills may preclude them from being eligible for the services, which it does not, that's not the case. Um, we will work with them. The housing staff will work with them, but we also bring in the case managers or the, the clinicians, the folks that actually referred them into the program to spend some time with them. Um, what we've also done in the past is to use, like, peer mentors, maybe mm. folks that have actually been through the program themselves yes, yes. and can, I, can really relate to those situations right. and bring them in and ask them to be of assistance as well.
0: Do these people need other things, Tom, like uh, skills, uh, education? Do they... Many of them. Do they know how to um, read? Do they have um, like their high school diplomas? Do they right. uh, do you find out these kinds of things? Well,
3: uh, you know, like our community in general, we have varying needs for different right. folks. Right. There are certainly some folks that once they get into some some stable housing, will go back and start working on their GED, or right. some folks that already have a high school diploma and will start taking college right. classes. Right. Um, start volunteering, Start um, get a part-time job, Job things of that nature, sure. Yeah,
1: it's interesting you mentioned volunteering. Uh, How does that resonate uh, with with the folks as they're in that transitional phase? Is that something that they find beneficial to just give of themselves?
3: A lot of the folks that are living in our housing, and and actually a lot of folks that get services from our department in general have – um, dealt with substance abuse issues, mm. yes, and yes. so a lot of folks, if they, whether they've been through treatment or just deal with that issue on a day-to-day basis, realize that um, there's a saying in the AA community about to keep your recovery, you have to give it away, mm. pass it on. Yes. So uh, we encourage people when we we talk about recovery, it's in the name of our department. Um, we encourage people to think about recovery from mental illness as well. Mm-hmm. So there, that goes a long ways towards. Um, becoming stable in your life and don't take too much for granted we, we we all should not take too much for granted so you give some of that away you go to meetings maybe you chair some meetings you spend some time mm-hmm. working with someone who's uh maybe not as fortunate as yourself and kind of show them gives people hope yes
0: mm-hmm. now tom you you brought your lovely wife with you deborah yes. and deborah before you arrived we were talking about you <laughs> he was telling us how you met Oh, he did? Yes, yeah. he did.
3: That was, that was really yeah. sweet. I told you the true story. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. So
0: what's oh, your
1: okay. story? <laughs> There's always
4: two sides to every pancake. All right, is.
1: now this is intriguing. <laughs> let's uh, let, let's hear the story.
4: Well, I had just graduated from uh, college, and I'm from the Midwest. Uh, and uh, What part? I'm okay. from Iowa. Iowa, okay. And a friend of mine had moved out to California, and uh, she said she could get me a job. So I decided to, I was tired of winter weathers and uh, the cold. Yeah, 32 is not cold. You know, it's about three degrees <laughs> now where my mom is, so that's cold. Pastor Mike, you're a wimp. I- no, <laughs> I'm just kidding. So I, I flew out to California and, uh, you know, I flew into San Francisco. We were going to make a day of it and her and her boyfriend and Tom and his girlfriend.
3: I left that part out.
4: Oh, that's the only
3: part right. I think you oh. left yeah. out. I, I think you,
0: the know biggest part. I think you
3: were part of it. That's right. there
1: There's deniability here, yeah. Uh, yeah. Tom. On that. Well,
3: not anymore.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> Came to San Francisco to pick me up. So it was just, it was the five of us. And that was the first time we met. And then we have this really great, you know, we remain friends with, with, uh, with Stacy, is her name. And, uh, she, uh, she had this, a camera and she was the only one that had a camera. So there's this great picture of me in California standing next to Tom and our dear friends, Beth and Jeff, who have since married and had kids. And so there's this great picture of the very first day that we met. Um, at Pier Thirty Nine mm. in San Francisco, yeah. and then we we since worked together at Crestwood, uh, Modesto, and it was there that um, we started dating. Wow! But
1: now, how how long have you been married? Twenty years. Twenty years. Congratulations, Amen. you guys.
0: Yeah, thank you. Honey. Yes, yeah. indeed. You guys are also involved. Tom, we talked a little bit about this in the homeless count. That takes place here in Stanislaus County. What every couple of years? Yeah, every other year. Tell us a little bit about that. What you do, what that involves, and and what your experience has been in counting the homeless people. Because okay. yeah,
3: um, well, our department it partners with numerous agencies here in town, including the Housing Authority. It's mm-hmm. it's really a uh, a very uh, well organized situation. When, um, what they try to do every every couple of years, they'll put together teams. And they'll start before the sun comes up and you've got warm coffee and and uh, goodie bags, uh, socks, you know, toiletry kits to hand out to folks. But the idea is to um, meet with folks that are coming out of the missions, um, coming up from the river, coming out of the parks um, and to basically get some information from folks um, we were chatting before the show. I think we did the count last winter. Right. We're in a
4: non-count this right. year.
3: But when we met last year, I mean, it's just a one page. We ask if we can have somebody's a couple of minutes of their time. Would they be willing um to give us a little bit of information? Um, it's very anonymous. So, um you know, you ask somebody's first name, their last initial, and then questions like, um, you know, are you homeless? Confirm that they are homeless. And then asking things like, you know, are they a veteran? Um, Things of that nature. Um, um, how long have they been homeless? Uh, do they have any mental health issues or substance abuse issues or things of that nature? And like we were chatting before the show, I mean, yes. you certainly don't capture everyone as far as the numbers are concerned. Um, but what you do get, I think is a pretty good, uh, idea of the different folks and different backgrounds and situations, um you know, of the folks that are out there on the streets and ages, too. I mean, I was actually pretty surprised by some of the quite young people. Mm. I mean, even under 18.
0: But they were saying uh, that a lot of families have children. Right. You, do you think that's because of the downturn in the economy? Time? Yeah, Is I don't heard? know.
3: I don't think it was uh, as big a question last year when we counted. But it's certainly, you know, a lot of folks are, have been displaced in the last year or more because of the, you know, foreclosures and homes and things right. of that nature mm-hmm. as well.
1: What uh, Obviously, I'm, I'm thinking that this information is vitally important uh, to government programs and grants and, and, and that sort of thing. How, how is the information used, and, and what benefit do, uh, do we receive from that?
3: Do you feel you could speak a little more on that? <laughs> I think a lot of it has to do with there are, there are monies available. -hmm. And a lot of it, you know, there's state and there's also federal monies available. I'm more of a foot soldier in all this stuff, so I'm kind of where the rubber meets the road guy, but my understanding is that if, that the the money is allocated due to the numbers Mm -hmm. that are represented. Right, right.
4: Well, we have a, a collaborative, a housing collaborative. Uh, locally here and, and, uh, we need to have a plan to end homelessness and those numbers will help inform that collaborative group about what, uh, you know, what services are, are needed and where the gaps are and how to connect people to the, the right place and be used to get, you know, funding for different programs.
1: Now, over the past few years, have you seen a shift in the demographics of of the homeless? Have have you seen the profiles change, or has it remained kind of consistent in in terms of who you find out there that that are legitimately homeless?
4: I, th- I th- there's always a, a a population that stays kind of the same, right. mm-hmm. um, but. It, I'm also, uh, d- as I was mentioning earlier, I'm the chair of Family Promise yes, of Greater yes, Modesto. Yes. Love family and promise. Uh, that is uh, a, a group that um, serves families. Yes. And we have seen uh, a, a change in the demographic of, of that. I don't know if demographic is the right word. We're, we're seeing individuals who have a lot more uh, uh, skills than and bank accounts and mm. did have a job and didn't have a home. And because of You know, the foreclosure, uh, we had, you know, they were renting and their home got foreclosed on and didn't, no one told them until the bank was coming in and, uh, shut, you know, blocked the doors on them. So the face of the homeless has changed. The face of the homeless has changed. We have people that have bank accounts, um, you know, where five years ago, maybe that was something that we didn't see. Um, so it is changing a bit.
1: We're going to head into break here in just a second, but on the other side of it, I'd like us to start thinking about uh, an issue, and and be, because of the fact that the profile of the homeless is is now covering a wide span of different kind of people, that probably creates some challenges in trying to meet the needs because the different types of folks are going to have different, you know, the the person with mental illness is going to have a different uh, uh, issue than maybe the person who just lost you know lot lost their home uh, and and couldn 't pay the the mortgage anymore, uh, who may have a different issue than the vet who just you know got back and and was injured and and maybe has some PTSD issues and, and all of that so on the other side let 's think about uh, how we treat how how we help people with those different types of of issues. And yet under this one heading of of homelessness, I'm I'm sure it's somewhat of a challenge and something that we can pray about and obviously something maybe that volunteers can help out with too.
0: We are so blessed to have Tom and Deborah Buckles with us tonight. We'll be back uh, with lots more. You know, music man Brandon Heath shares his heart and perhaps it's yours and mine too in his song entitled Give Me Your Eyes on Lighthouse Live and we'll be back.
2: from a broken sky Traced out by the city lights My world from a mile high Best seat in the house tonight Touch down in the cold black top Hold on for the sudden stop Breathing the familiar shock of confusion and chaos All those people going somewhere Why have I never cared? Step out on a busy street See a girl in our eyes meet Does her best to smile at me To hide what's underneath There's a man just too right Black suit and a bright red tie Too ashamed to tell his wife He's out of work, he's buying time All those people going somewhere? Why have I never I've been here a million times, a couple million nights. Just moving past me by. I swear I never thought that I was wrong. Well, I want a second glance, so give me a second chance to see the way you see the people all along. Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see. While I'll be on my beach. Give me your heart, for we got give me your eyes so I can see.
0: Our prayer, give me your eyes. It's Brandon Heath on Lighthouse Live.
1: You know, Elaine, we were uh talking and our, our video one minute thing we do once a week. Mike's minute last week was talking about the fact that a recent Barnes study uh showed a surprising number of people uh in in, in churches get absolutely nothing. And take nothing away from each weekend. And when we're exploring, you know, why is that? Why why, why is why are we compartmentalizing our faith? You know, why isn't the the emotion and and the vitality and the energy that uh, is is there on Sunday right after the worship service? Why is that not continuing throughout uh, throughout the week? And of course, our our bent is because we've. Forgotten that Jesus said, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself." Three hundred sixty-five days a year, you know, not just at Christmas or not just at Thanksgiving, and not just when it's convenient for us, but when, you know, when the need is there. And uh, as as we're talking, Tom and Deborah, you know, it 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 brings to mind way back God was telling His people to see, as Brandon Heath was talking about, see the needy with His eyes. Deuteronomy 10, uh, 18. Uh, says he, God defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and loves the alien, giving him food and clothing. And then, lest uh, we or the, or the nation of Israel f- forget and, and get a little uppity about what aliens are, he says, "And you are to love those who are aliens, for you yourself were aliens in Egypt." <laughs> and uh, and and so there's this this God mandate that we do see the condition of people in our community with His eyes. Which are full of grace and, and, and mercy. And it's not someone else's job. And, and especially both of you, I'm, I'm sure feel the budget issues today, you know, in, 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 the county. And it's, it's a great time for the church, uh, for people of faith to partner and, uh, and rise up and on a daily basis meet the needs and family promise fits right yes, under that. And, and Tom, what we were talking about, what you do fits right under that. So, we have all of these people. We have an interesting mix now. It's just not, uh, you know, someone who who is burned out on drugs or someone who has a mental illness that that really renders them incapable of taking care of themselves. We've got a whole mix of different types of people, and so, so let's talk a little bit about how do you approach the different types of situations, and what can the faith based. I'm it's catching okay, it's your spreading, thing. The faith-based Sorry, community. T- me. Let me do that <laughs> ten times real fast. Faith-based, faith-based. Faith-based. What can the faith-based community do to partner with government in in a wise way to help meet the needs of many of these people that you're serving?
4: Well, I think I, that's one of the draws for me to Family Promise is that it, it brings the, um, you know, the volunteers mm-hmm. from the faith-based community, yes. who, which are the heart of the organization, and it does have a, a prof- it has professional staff that then partners with the, you know, the government agency and it brings them all together to, you know, to come up with a comprehensive plan to hopefully, you know, move the person back past their homelessness. And all of the pieces are important. So you have, you have the heart of the organization, your volunteers who can provide the compassionate, you know, just by being present, which is just such a huge, thing for an individual. I mean, it doesn't feel like you're doing much when you provide a hot meal and say, how was your day? But that goes so far for someone who's just really struggling. But then it has the professional staff that can deal with those life skill issues, right, right. budgeting, um, you know, whether or not there's any domestic violence issues that are there or whether or not there's, you know, d- uh, job skills that are necessary. And it partners them together. So it's not asking the volunteer to figure out and deal with the domestic violence. It's just asking them to be present and, and caring and loving. And it allows then the professional staff to, you know, to work with you know the agencies that will hopefully help them move past this period of homelessness
0: we so love family promise deborah we've been trying to get family promise on here forever, and we have referred so many people to the program because we've seen lives change. I'm sure you have seen that absolutely very thing. and and no names or anything like right. that, but you've seen people be able to get control of their budgets right. um, you know get away from the domestic violence, and we see that. You know, through this office all the time. I'm sure you see it too. Walk away from the addictions, and and I know Tom, you see that uh, as well. Mm-hmm. But to get on their feet and and be able to get back into a productive life, and to to change their lives completely.
4: You know, and and really, it's it's a, the only program in town that allows um, children and families husband and, and wife to stay together mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, you know and at the you know for for obvi- for good reasons you know they they get separated at the mission um but it can be very traumatic for you know families in your most uh in, you know your most critical time to be you know separated from your spouse or to have your I believe it's fourteen um, your fourteen year old son have to go to the men 's you know mission while mm-hmm. you are with the younger children at the at the women 's mission um, so it is it is the only program in town that allows um, you know, a shelter program to, that allows families to stay together. Mm.
1: Deborah, Family Promise is is the local name. There's a national movement for this. Do you, do you know what the national movement name Interfaith, is? I'm,
4: Interfaith Hospitality Network. Thank you. Love that. Thank great. you,
1: Interfaith Hospitality Network. People
0: call regularly here to ABC and need shelter. Where can I go? And the, one of the first things that come to my mind, Family Promise.
1: Deborah, let's unpack just uh, you know because. We're around the world with the broadcast. Some people may not be familiar with it. Unpack a little bit what happens with Family Promise, uh, how the churches are connected together, and and what happens with a family when they enter this uh, particular opportunity.
4: The, um, it's, it's a host, it's a, it's a um, partnership of, uh, 10 to 13 host congregations. Mm -hmm. Um, They open their place of worship for a week at a time to host the families. Uh we in our local uh we have 11 uh congregations that are in our local uh partnership and the the host congregations responsibility is they provide a, a safe place for them to sleep at night, uh for the families to sleep at night and an evening meal and breakfast and then uh they give them a sack lunch for you know uh, stuff for them to make their sack lunch during the day. And then there's a day center um, that we are currently located at Church of the Brethren, and we have our day center there, which is where our professional staff are. They have shower facilities and laundry facilities and computers. And so then during the day, they'll work with the case manager to look at those life skills that they maybe need to address, develop a plan for them to move forward on, you know, fixing the situation that they're in. Mm Um, and at night they go to the host congregation and, and they have, uh, you know, their evening meal. And then each church has a, a volu- a coordinator that coordinates their volunteers. And it's the, um, uh, uh, congregation members from that church that volunteer to bring in the evening meal, uh, sit with them. Uh, you know, there's, it's a, it's a community. It, it really is all about, you know, they help do the dishes. You know, they sit down and they cool. have a meal together. Yes. They're helping kids with homework. They're doing puzzles. They're watching, mm-hmm. um, you know, shows together. Um, right. and then in the, in the morning, they go to the day center and work with the case manager again.
1: And about how many, uh, families will, will be at one church during a, a night?
4: We can, uh, I believe our max is 16, okay. but so it really depends on the makeup of the family. Um, but generally we have between three and four families mm. at a time. I think right now we have three. All right. All right. And Tom, we were talking, not everybody can do what you do.
0: And of course we know the Lord gives us a heart to do, you know, each individual things. You work with the extreme mentally challenged people. And you definitely have been given compassion for these people. Talk a little bit about what it was like to be in this facility where you were at earlier when we were speaking about these people who have extreme cases. And we were talking, you were comparing this with what Jesus did with these people. Speak a little bit about that.
3: It, it kind of goes back a little bit to what when Deborah was talking to, to you earlier about how we'd met and where we were working mm. um, I was working at Crestwood Manor, which is on celeste avenue um, it 's a locked psychiatric facility, uh, upwards of two hundred folks that live there um, they are most of the folks are on conservatorship conservatorship, which means um, basically that they don 't even have a choice of where they live. Mm-hmm. They have someone else who uh, uh, a court system has has um, determined that they can 't they 're so ill that they can 't make those choices themselves. So it it can be a very difficult place to work. You're dealing with a lot of um, a lot of uh, anxiety from mm. uh, the folks that are living there, a lot of um, just severe mental illness. So it can be a very challenging place to work. You mentioned schizophrenia and um, things like yeah, that. Yeah, most things, of the yes, folks so. are, have oh. a severe mental illness, yes. a schizophrenia yeah. or a, you know bipolar disorder, things of that nature. Um, <clears throat> Our, the what we were talking about before we met this afternoon um our church the first united methodist church yes. is, is downtown mm-hmm. which um I think it's a blessing. Uh, There are a lot of folks, uh, that hang around downtown, a lot of homeless folks, Mm -hmm. right? The
0: library. and Yeah. at the library.
3: And, um, our church for years has had an open door policy, Mm -hmm. um, around, certainly around services and around coffee as well. Mm -hmm. And a lot of folks that are out there on the streets, they're looking for something warm to drink on a, on a cold morning. So, um, our doors open at 9am and folks come in to have coffee and, um, it's an opportunity for us to get to know some of the people in the area that that are um, you know dealing with other issues that maybe the average person isn't dealing with so um, it was new to a lot of the congregates as far as who are these folks that are coming into our, our church. Well, Deborah and I have both been doing this for over 20 years. Right. So, um, you, 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 surprise yourself with how much patience you really do have mm-hmm. for some situations. Mm-hmm. I, right. I wouldn't, you know, 25 years ago, I don't think I'd, I'd see myself sitting here with the experiences that I've had. And I certainly wouldn't trade any of them for the world. Um, but what we were talking about earlier, um, I was uh, fortunate to be asked last Father's Day to be a panel of four fathers that, that basically did the sermon uh, at the church, and and Pastor Deborah Brady was very, uh, very wise in picking fathers that had different backgrounds, um, different spiritual backgrounds, different ages, children of different ages. Mm-hmm. Um, Part of what I brought up was just how fortunate I feel in my work to be able to work with folks that, that have these challenges on a regular basis because oftentimes, um, the folks that, that we, we see on the streets and it, you know, you don't have to be a mental health professional to spot out someone who's maybe having a difficult time. We've all seen folks that are pushing a cart full of stuff. Or they're standing out there on the corner and they're yelling and, and, uh, it's a little harder to spot now with Bluetooth, but if they're not wearing a Bluetooth and they're out there yelling, you know, there may be, there may be a mental health issue there. So you have folks that, uh, will often, um, go the extra mile to cross the street, to, to not have to walk past that person, not have to take a chance on interacting with that person. Um, what I tried to bring to my part of the, the father's day talk was, um, how blessed I feel to spend time with those folks and then to remind folks, um, not that that's my job, but those folks, the underprivileged, the, the cast outs are Mm -hmm. the folks that Jesus spent most of his time with. Mm -hmm. He was the people that those were the folks that he sought out, that Mm -hmm. he hung around Mm -hmm. with. And I feel, I feel blessed to hang out with those folks. It's, it's, um. You make a difference in people's day. And what a lot of people don't realize, and, and Deborah touched on it with the volunteering, I mean, you don't, you don't have to be a certified volunteer to spend five minutes, ten minutes just listening to someone. Whether their story makes sense to you or not, it goes a long way. Because oftentimes the folks that we work with on a regular basis are, are asked to leave stores because of the way they're dressed, because of the way they act. Uh, because they may or may not be bothering other folks that are shopping. Mm-hmm. Um, but five minutes goes a long way in just spending some time and listening to someone.
1: Deborah, you used a word uh, a couple of minutes ago that I think is, is very significant. And that was the word presence.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, mm-hmm. uh, when, when we show up, when and again, shot, it, yeah. as you said, Tom, you don't have to necessarily have the education in right. behavioral right. sciences. Right. When you show up, God through his Holy Spirit, Will be present, mm. and as you are there, being present and and listening is one of the critical things. Mm-hmm. Because as you say, a lot of people can't get their stories out, right. and and they aren't listened to. Nobody wants to hear their story, you know. And and yet to be able to th- be there with a the listening ear and just be present and be with them, that's powerful, isn't it? It is.
4: It's very powerful, and you don't have to have an answer you don't have to have, you don't have to solve anything. You don't don't have to fix it. It's just being, it's such a, you know, a human connection to sit down and talk with someone that someone who is, who is, You know, cast out like what Tom said, uh, they don't have that, they don't have those experiences. And
0: set that fear aside maybe, Deborah, you know, because a lot of people operate, you know, with that fear thing going on of these people.
4: You know, I don't want, I mean, there, there is, you need to be cautious. I mean, certainly we need, you know, you need to be cautious in everything you do, but, 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 you know, sometimes just taking a chance and smiling and, and, you know, eye contact and, and how, you know, how's your day can go a long way
1: all right let, let's hit uh, the elephant in the room here all right for a lot of people and that is uh, oftentimes uh, the people are going down the street and do you have a quarter do you have a dollar i need a bus pass mm-hmm. i mean yeah. you hear the i mean we we know what the stories are right. What do you recommend for the average uh, guy and gal sitting in the pew on Sunday and they're coming out, they're being convicted that, you know what, I, I need to bless my community, I I need to be present, I need to listen. What would you recommend to them on how to handle that request, I need some money?
4: You know, Tom and I at times have handled this differently. I would say no. Don't don't give. Uh, uh for me it's a matter of you know personal and safety and what I choose to do is I give my money to different organizations mm-hmm. that I know provide uh services to the s- very same people that are asking me for that. There's mm-hmm. a variety of different organizations that we choose to give to. Um and so I don't give uh when I'm asked to. I do say you know, no, not today. But have you whatever the issue is? Salvation Army is serving dinner at six o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's there's uh, this service that could help you maybe with the bus ticket. You know, I I do try to give them information about where they can go. Uh, you know, to give that. But that's you know that's that's what I choose to do. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, Tom, what's your approach?
3: Well, I, I think that people should do what they feel comfortable doing. Mm. I mean, we've all certainly seen aggressive panhandlers, where if someone, especially if you feel vulnerable at the time, um, and, and saying no doesn't really seem like a viable option for you, I think we've, you know, all all folks have been in that situation. Mm. I think we just do whatever feels comfortable. Mm. Um, I'm I I do that as well um, with uh, like what Deborah does. Um, let them know about services try to be familiar with the services that are available in the community um what i've also done is if somebody says they're hungry i've bought them something there you yes. go right? yes. i'll buy, yes. I'll buy you a burger i'll Absolutely. buy you a sandwich hot cup of coffee um, something and In that yes. way because a lot of us have the concerns about where that money's going exactly. and we don't want to um, you know um Propagate something that's you don't want to feed on. an addiction yeah. and make things worse. Right? And, you
1: know. I mean, you've
0: been with your children and grandchildren, and out of the blue, an aggressive person, just like you say, comes from somewhere you didn't even expect this. And they, like you say, are very aggressive right. in their approach, and 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 you certainly don't want to encourage that. You know? But I
3: will admit, I mean, you know, last week I I start work at six in the morning, and I've gone out to a grocery store near where the office is around seven. Sun was just coming up, and it was one of those twenty-eight degree mornings. And there was a fellow out there with a blanket wrapped over his cold, shoulder. Cold, right? It was cold. cold. Qualifies it was cold. As cold. It was really cold. My cold. I'm with How you. How cold too. was it? Well, he came. He came up to me and asked me for a dollar for a cup of coffee, and um, I looked right at him and I said, "Are you really going to get coffee with it?" And he said, "Yes." And I gave him the dollar. It was cold. Yeah. So uh, you know, I don't know what he did with it, but right. I think it's just like I said. I think it's about what we're comfortable doing.
0: I think when you're being led and you, you act upon that, you know, I, I think, how can you go wrong?
1: You know, the, this, uh, and again, getting back to the, the, the presence that we were talking about, I'm thinking to my, my son, um, a couple of years ago, he was in junior high school and they took a field trip. Down to, uh, is it McClatchy Park? Is that what they call it down here? Uh, you know, where the newspaper You're statue asking me is? Directions? Oh, yeah, right. yeah, right. And, <laughs> and for a long time, that was a haven, uh, for the homeless and people kind of shied away from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people were urinating and, you know, it just wasn't a real pleasant place to be. Right. And, uh, but anyway, so, so a team as part of their school day went down there and the instructions were, look, we just want you to talk. Just just talk with these folks, and the idea was, and and very wise, and the teacher we know, uh, Elaine, yes. uh, have yes. worked with her for a long mm-hmm. time, the idea was get to understand that these people are human. You know, the, these are people. You know, right. they're they're not things. They're not statistics. They're human beings that that, that are struggling. And I remember uh, Joshua coming home and saying, "Wow, Dad, that 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 was really powerful." You know, I, mm-hmm. I talked to this guy and and. He used to own a corporation, you know, and, and things went belly up and, and, uh, you know, so I, I think, and, and Tom, this gets back to something you were pointing out earlier. You know, the blessing really comes back to the giver. Right. Doesn't it? And a yes, biblical absolutely. principle, it is more blessed to give than to receive. God does a wonderful work in us, uh, and through us as we are giving just a little bit of our time and, and a listening ear to, to folks who may be out there. And so, uh, friends, we just encourage you with that. Uh, Tom and Deborah, we're bumping the clock a little bit, uh, and I want to okay. give you the, the last word here. That's an amazing thing. Pastors, you know, giving other people the last yeah, word. Amazing, That's what we yeah. do here uh, on, on Lighthouse Live. Pretty yeah. amazing. Uh, for for, yeah, for both of you, uh, maybe just a word of encouragement for people who may be listening to get outside the four walls of their homes and their churches and just connect and be. And and uh, Tom and then and then Deborah, just a little encouragement for people to to get out and and, and experience that blessing.
4: You know, I was every volunteer that I talk to that makes that step are so uh, excited. So, and you know, they, they love that experience. It does just come back to you. So, so take that chance. I, you know, you will be impacted by, by what you do and find, if you're nervous about it, find someone that volunteers like with family promise, Mm. find someone that makes the dinner and okay, you make the dessert, you know, just find something that you're comfortable with and, and, uh, and take that step.
0: Awesome. Right, awesome. Right. What about you, Tom?
3: Yeah, I mean, it reminds me a little bit of public speaking. It can be the scariest thing in the world to do, mm-hmm. but after you're done, you usually are really glad that you did it. Mm-hmm. Um, we are fortunate to... Uh, to uh Our church does some uh, dinners uh, from time to time at the Salvation Army. Yeah yes. And um, we have a 15-year-old son named Austin and an 11-year-old son, uh, Ben. And we... We have them go with us. It's real important. Of course, they don't stand a chance. They've got two parents that are like social (laughs) workers, so they don't really stand a chance. But um, it's, it's just a wonderful experience for everyone. And like Deborah said, if you know somebody who's connected with the church and you'd like to get involved, just go in, and hang out with them and, and be part of the the, uh, the family promise experience or anything else. That's and I just want to affirm
1: that, that having the family unit do that right. as a family right. very powerful. Very. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, thank you. Yes,
0: and we just want also want to affirm that we love your Pastor Deborah Brady. Please <laughs> give wonderful. her our blessings. And thank you for joining us. God bless you both, and we'll have to invite you back again. And, thanks thanks for and dear friends us. at home, wherever you are listening to our broadcast, we thank you, too. We love and appreciate you as well and uh, may God continue to bless you thank you and good night